Amen. All right. God bless you. We are going to do an Iron Sharpens Iron panel service tonight. If the panelists would come on up. Sister Melissa and Brother Darren, you remember the cue I gave you? When Sister Christy gets seated, we all vacate, leave her up here by herself. Thank you, musicians. God bless you. Proverbs 27, 17, Brother Scott, that's where we're going to go. I love the writings of King Solomon. I absolutely, it is, it is a hot spot for me in my personal life, the book of Proverbs. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Let's read that together, everybody. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. God bless you. If you're going out, go ahead. The rest of you may be seated. Appreciate you, first of all. God bless you, Sister Mallory, Sister Christy, Brother Darren. Thank you for being willing. It's been a long time, and I don't even remember who it was, since anyone has said, no, absolutely not. Don't ever ask me to be involved in this. I appreciate your cooperation. I mean that. Um, I know that I know, for, especially if you're not used to being up front, it can be a little intimidating, but, but you're home. You're with family. Praise the Lord. Everybody in this house loves each and every one of these people, and we, we appreciate their faithfulness. Guarantee if you're not faithful, I'm not asking you. I don't ask hot shots that come in once in a while and act like everybody should take notice that they're here. I'm asking faithful people, supportive, faithful people. You are the ones that everybody else looks at because they know you're faithful. That's why I ask these people every month, and it's not randomly. It's not by accident. I don't get if someone comes up to me and says, "Why haven't you asked so and so?" It's I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to go there. All right. I go. I, I pray about it. I feel it, and there we go from there. Praise the Lord. Amen. What a mighty God we serve. If you have been here more than a day, then you have heard me quote a hundred times or more a couple of my favorite verses from the Bible, ones that have ministered to me from way back when. I remember going to a little revival going on in Anchorage. I didn't know, I honestly did not know as a teenager the difference between Baptist and Catholic. I had no idea. But I was, I was out and about on a Friday night with a friend of mine, and there was this little Pentecostal church in North Mountain View. And Brother Jones, as he was called, was a one-God apostolic preacher. He wasn't an organizational preacher, but he was a one-God preacher. He had a little television show. And I didn't even know, I mean, I knew who he was because I went to school with his son, Selwyn, played on the football team at Clark Junior High with him. And um, Anyway, on a Friday night, for some reason, I ended up stopping on the street in North Mountain View and walking in there, sitting on the back row with my friends. And uh, I, I couldn't have explained to you why if I had to, but I remember so vividly the exuberance in that church that night. There were people were raising their hands, and the music was loud, and the music was seemed to me like it was popping and going there, and and I appreciate that. But ever since, right after those days, when when God started dealing with my heart, a couple of scriptures have just stood out to me, like Psalm um, 107 verse 20 that says, "He sent His word and healed them, and delivered them from their destruction." When I start evangelizing, if you turn me down just a little bit on these monitors. Uh, just this mic. Um, when I started evangelizing, my pastor, who was who was Sister Teresa's father, told me, he said, you need to get business cards. And when you go to revival meetings and all that, pastors are available. Just hand your card to them, and they might ask you to come preach. Not like you're selling yourself on people, but if they don't know you exist, they're never going to call you. That's for sure, right? So we, I had business cards made up and about ministry. And... On that, my, my pastor uncle told me, you need to put a Bible verse on that just stands out and kind of tells the pastor what you're all about. And it was, it was no question. I didn't have to consult the board or anybody else. I knew Psalm 107.20 is where I wanted to go. 
that he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. One thing I've learned and felt from the beginning, music is a blessing. Rhythm is an amazing blessing to help music. And, and greeters out there that do a good job are a blessing. But we can do without a whole lot of things as long as we have the word of God in our life. We've got to have the word of God. And Psalm 118, verse 6 is another one. Jumped off the pages of my, of my Bible many years ago. Said, the Lord's on your side. He's on our side. Things like that that comfort me when I'm down, when I'm out, when I'm confused, when I'm lonely, when I'm looking for answers, when I need counseling, when I need to hear a, a comfortable voice from God. Little spots that you have shared with me. You have many of them. These are those, a couple of those in my life. Every time I read Psalm 107, and I've read it, Hundreds of times. That verse just stops me in my tracks. <clears throat> Precious things that are, that are personal to me. Sister Mallory, talk to us about things in your life. Things in your life, verses in particular that have impacted you. And there can be many or there can be few. But tell us, please, what, where you're at in the Word today. Give her some volume, please. Is it on? says on. All right, so I um, I had three that popped out into my head this morning asking that question. Not because of this, sister, but just uh, I try to remind every time, because of the people in the back, so everybody keep the mic up yep. nice and close. So when you asked, Rob, um, <laughs> when you asked me what Bible verse had impacted my life, I instantly, um, I knew Turn her up, what I needed to talk about. Um, and then we ended up at the minister's retreat and the whole, the whole thing just kind of came flooding in. Um, so the first thing that came to my mind was about a year ago, um, my, got a message from my husband and said, God stopped me um, I was at work. I had no idea what he was talking about. Um, first scripture I had in. So the first one that came to my mind uh, was back from 2020 when COVID was raging and everybody was in fear. It was 1 Timothy uh, 1, 7. It says, for God hath given us a spirit of fear, or not have given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Little did I know I was going to use that quite a few years later. Um, the other two were Psalm 62, verse 7 and 5, where it says, God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people, and pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Um, the other one was the latter version of James 5, 16. Says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I knew I had to dig in. Um, I knew he was dealing with some darkness, but I wasn't. I wasn't aware of how far it had gone. Um. So, I just bit my tongue and held on and sought God. I knew it was, you know, just more than a normal struggle that marriages go through. Um, and those that know him know that he's not a just, you know, hey, let me tell you all my problems kind of guy. Thank you. Um, um, our marriage was failing. My family was falling apart. Um, 
I didn't get to talk to Blake for almost two years. Um, so it was clearly, it was an attack. And I just didn't know where to go. And Sister Mangan said that when she's like, what do you do when you don't know what to do? You seek God. Um, so... So I read those scriptures over and over and over, and one day on my way to work, I heard a song, and it was um, by Shane and Shane. It's called, I'm Fighting a Battle That You've Already Won, and that became my my go-to, because he does. (laughs) He fights, and he's already won it, no matter, you know, no matter what comes our way, he overcomes Um, this was a process of about six months. I know it seems like I'm kind of going through it a little easily. Um, but he did give me peace of mind at some point. Um, I kept myself busy, which probably wasn't the best route to go. Um, but it was all just because I avoided going home to deal with what was hard. Um, cause that's just what I do. <laughs> and, you know, I, kept hearing, sis, you're so strong, you're so strong, and I'm like, no, I'm just doing what I got to do to get through my situation, knowing all the time that, you know, it was God that was bringing me that peace, Um, and I didn't want to be like the whole, you know, Debbie Downer kind of thing to start it all off, but I did want to encourage somebody that you are not alone, I know it's a struggle, and you can see it, and it's apparent, um, just talk about it. It needs to be talked about. Psalm 62.8 has long been a favorite of mine. I memorized that decades ago. He is a refuge. And I love, I love the way you put trust him at all times, right? It's easy to trust God when things are going good. At all times, pour out your heart before him. Uh, Sometimes I believe that we want to discuss things with people across the aisle when in fact it's the advice of God to talk to him always about stuff. Pour out your heart before him. Pour out your heart before him. Praise the Lord. Brother Darren, how long have you been coming to PPC now? About about three years. Three years, okay. Three years, that's amazing. I'm thankful that thankful that you're a part of us here. I mean that. You mean that. Bible said in Matthew three and eight that we should, brother brother Josh quoted this last night. We should bring forth fruits worthy or meet for repentance. If you, if you didn't make it last night, and even if you did make it, uh, my son talked about the Lord of the Vows, V-O-W, vows we make or are considering making to God, and the value of them, the, the gravity of the, of the vow. You get on there sometime on the podcast and check it out. It was good, very good stuff. And bring forth fruit, he quoted that scripture, worthy or meet for repentance. What's different about you now? You know yourself better than anybody here for three years. What's different about you now than the Darren B.C.? First, Pastor Herrick, thank you for all that you do for me and and for this flock. You pour more into us than most of us probably realize or all of us realize. And and I appreciate you, and I know we appreciate you and your wife. And I, I thank you for this opportunity. Three years ago, I sometimes sat at the back of PPC. Broken and blinded to the realities of my brokenness, I drank regularly, in part trying to numb the pain and discomfort of sin and a difficult upbringing and the loss of my biological mom to drugs a year prior and the legal ramifications of my, re- my arrest half a year prior. But today, I'm a witness to the delivering power and great mercy of the Holy Ghost. Three years ago, I was broken, 
I could see my brokenness in the big things like the alcoholism and suicidal ideation and hopelessness and constant fear and constant torment of intrusive thoughts and guilt. But I could not see that these big problems were largely a product of many small problems that tripped me up throughout the day, day after day after day. And I couldn't see that these small problems were not so much the external circumstances, but the ways that I thought about things, the way that I saw the world and God, and the ways I reacted to things. I said I, I, said I was blind to the realities of my brokenness, and what I mean is that I could not see my problems for what they were. I saw these big problems as signs of brokenness, but that's all I saw. I couldn't see that this brokenness was a problem not just because it hurt, but because it meant that my relationship with the one who could help, Jesus, was broken. And I certainly couldn't see that he wanted to help me. Why would anyone want to help me? I did not see myself as a, as a precious, broken child on whom he had compassion and kept at the apple of his eye, Deuteronomy 32.10. I did not see Jesus as a gracious, merciful God who is slow to anger and of great kindness, Joel 2.13. I did not consider the possibility of the God of the universe remembering that I am but dust, Psalm 103, verse 14. I just thought it was all my fault and that I had to keep pushing harder and running faster until I could finally perform perfectly, thereby pleasing the one who could stop the hurt and hoping he chose to. There was a lot I didn't see and much more besides that I didn't see in the right way. This all caused a great deal of, confu a great deal of confusion, fear, and anxiety. To sum it up, I spent my I spent, my, I spent day after day in survival mode, like I was in a burning building all the time. As you might imagine, it was hard to focus on the small yet important aspects of life, like eating a suitable diet, keeping a budget, focusing on work, etc. I think of Jude 23 and others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Indeed, I needed, to be, I needed to be pulled from the fire because I couldn't see the exit. But God... I am so thankful. Without Jesus, I could not and would not be sitting here, much less talking in this way about how I'm different today than I was a few years ago. Indeed, if not for Jesus, I'd still be hurting all the time. But I still haven't fully answered the question of how I'm different today. In some respects, it's simple enough to answer. For example, I used to drink. Now I don't. I used to do certain things. Now I don't. I used to dress a certain way. Now I don't. I, used to, I didn't used to do certain other things. Now I do. I used to have certain things in my home. Now I don't. I could go on. And these types of answers are important because what we do and don't do is important. Even a child is known by his doings, Proverbs says. But there are other differences that I pray more people choose to get a hold of in their lives. But these differences are harder to communicate. This is partly because the difference lies in how I think about or respond to the things that still happen. Unlike drinking, where I used, unlike drinking where I used to drink, now I don't. I used to have intrusive thoughts, and I still do. It's just that they don't wreck me as much. Jesus didn't say, behold, I hereby remove all attacks from your life. He said, behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over every power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. There are still serpents, but we can tread on them. The main thing I see differently is God. Three years ago, I didn't know anything about him. Two years ago, I don't know what I thought, but I don't think I quite grasped the goodness and severity of God, and I'm still learning. I now see God's mercies and compassions are incomprehensible and that he is so ready for, uh, to forgive. But I also see that he is holy. Yes, he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, but he is also holy, and he will not be mocked. Let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Next, I used to see the Bible as just another book. Then I eventually progressed into seeing it as an instruction manual. Step one, do this. Step two, do that. And while it is an instruction manual, I oftentimes missed the point by thoughtlessly adhering to what I thought it was saying. Now, now I see the Bible as quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and I get excited. Then I keep reading and am reminded that it pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's exciting, but it's also scary. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It provides instructions, yes, but it's possible to do the things it says to do with the wrong heart, and again, he's not mocked. I also see the promises of the Bible differently. In the past, I've sometimes been frustrated after I declare the word of God just to get kicked right in the teeth. These days, when I declare the word of God, I still sometimes get kicked in the teeth, but there's a difference. It happens less often, and when it does happen, my inclination is to think, hmm, that didn't work. And since I know the Bible work, 
works, there's something different. There, or I'm, I'm sorry, there's something I'm missing. Indeed, indeed, it says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But right before that, it says submit yourself therefore to God. Am I submitted? It says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But right before that, it says be not conformed to this world. Am I living right? He hath not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But right before that, it says stir up the gift of God that is in you. Did I stir it up? I'll close with this. My main goal in the past was to make the hell in my life go away so I could stop hurting. Basically, I was looking for the absence of hell above all else. But now, my desire is more about the presence of Jesus than the absence of hell. <laughs> loving the absence of hell's attacks is not the same thing as loving the presence of Jesus. When I focus on the attacks instead of Jesus, I miss the point. And because I missed the point, the attack isn't handled. But when I focus on Jesus, good things happen, and the rest is taken care of. The presence of Jesus is a good place to be. Good. Now we'll come back and engage the audience in just a few minutes. Sister Sonatag. Appreciate your family, appreciate your immediate family, obviously, your husband and children, your mother, sister and family, all very supportive of PPC, and we're, we're thankful for that. We're very thankful for that. Amen. Not too thankful that I got a call one night and someone asked if my Honda Ridgeline was for sale. Yeah, really cheap, really cheap. Anyway, with everything within me, I believe in the power of prayer. When people and it happens frequently. People ask me about prayer or things in their life that they want me to pray about. Or maybe they just say, as an unspoken thing, would you mind joining with me in prayer? I believe that statement right there as much as I believe the Bible is true, that prayer works. So when people want me to come up with a reason why sometimes God hasn't answered their prayer yet, uh, I, I, I just take their spiritual pulse without even c touching them. If they're being smarty pants about it, I don't waste my time. If they're sincere, then I try to go down one avenue that I might feel, of which there are many, many, many avenues concerning prayer. But whether God answers it or not, I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that when we pray, immediately God hears us praying. Now, there are so many things from Daniel chapter 10 and and having faith, and all of that that I won't get into tonight, as to sometimes the reason for delays in answered prayer, has nothing to do with my faith in the fact that God hears and wants to answer our prayer. So, knowing that, and I, I pray that there are, uh, is, a, is a room full of people here tonight that feel the same way. Don't listen to your flesh when everything doesn't go according to the way you think it should have gone up until this point in time. If you're still alive, breathing, and, and talking to the Lord, then don't tell me that the hope is still not there, praise the Lord. There's just so much to be thankful for, so many reasons to be hopeful in the Lord. And the Bible said, Proverbs again, hope deferred or put off makes the heart sick. My hope has never been challenged in the absolute belief that prayer works tonight. It works. It works. It works. It works. I'm saying all that to say this, and I mean this in sincerity. Every picture on that door right there, and there's a few uh, that aren't there, I pray for, pray for them. I don't pray for everyone every day, but I'll go in there, and I'll just regionalize a section, and I'll just pray for every family in there. The only person in there I don't pray for... The only person in the congregation I don't pray for is Brother Rob. I, I'm 
I just felt it come all over me, Sister Carlson. I couldn't help it. Because he doesn't have a picture up there. But I pray for everybody up there. I want you to talk to us about how, how you value the subject of prayer and tell me, your pastor, how I can best serve you and your family in praying for you people. When pastor gave me this question, I was convinced he had definitely gone off the deep end because I'm the last person that should speak about prayer. Don't get me wrong. I have a prayer life. I pray when things are going good and when things are going questionable in my life. But prayer is not something that I think, oh, yeah, I totally got this. When it comes to prayer, I actually feel very inadequate. But when asked how can, you pray, how can he pray for me, I feel like there are a few very important things that I need to do and have established in my life. A shepherd has to know their sheep, and in turn, the sheep will know the sound of their shepherd's voice. The only way for my shepherd to know me and for me to know him is to be involved in the church. If I'm just a Sunday morning service person or a Facebook Live person, I miss out on so much. Especially building a relationship with my pastor, a relationship with him that will help him know me and know how to pray for me. He should know me, my husband, my kids, and my family. And the church should become part of my family create roots, build relationships. The other way is I need to have a prayer life for myself. So here's my opinion. How can he pray for me? Well, the obvious answer is, of course, to ask for prayer. But not everyone is good at asking for, for help or inviting others into their problems or concerns. Everyone wants and needs prayer. And who is better to pray for you than our own pastor? He has a direct link to God, and my theory is that if you have a good prayer life, then God will speak to pastor about how to pray for you. For example, David obviously had a great prayer life. He made mistakes, of course, one being what he did with Bathsheba and in turn having Uriah killed. In 2 Samuel 12, 1, the Lord spoke to Nathan and told him to go talk to David. David didn't ask for prayer about the situation, but God knew and spoke to David, or spoke to Nathan about it. God knows your needs, he knows your heart, and in turn will help pastor know what to pray and how to pray for you. But all of that is dependent on us. I mean, obviously pastor is going to pray for his flock, but it will be a difference of milk prayers or meat prayers. In Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 states, by now you should have been teachers, but once again you need to be taught the simplest things about what God has said. You need milk instead of solid food. People who live on milk are like babies who don't really know what is right. Solid food is for mature people who have been trained to know right from wrong. This verse technically isn't about prayer, but it, in my opinion it can relate because everyone is new to prayer at some point in life. How many of us remember when we were younger asking for ridiculous things like, Lord, help me pass this test, or Lord, help me get out of this stupid situation I've gotten myself into? Those are what I view as milk prayers. Everyone starts off at this level, but as we age and grow with our walk with the Lord, our prayers should become more meat prayers. However, my prayers and your prayers won't always be the same, and even though your walk has grown and you're older and wiser, God still wants us to have childlike faith. <clears throat> Matthew 18, 3-4 says, Then he said, I promise you this, if you don't change and become like a child, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. But if you are as humbled as this child, you are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Power, sorry, prayer is powerful. You can just see, you can see just how powerful it is throughout the Bible. In 2 Kings 20 and 5-6, Hezekiah was told to get his house in order because he was going to die. Hezekiah prayed, and the Lord says, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, behold, I will heal you. And Hezekiah lives for another 15 years. In 1 Kings 18, Elijah has the prophets of Baal pray to see if Baal will answer. He lets them pray and even mocks them. However, when Elijah prays in verses 37 through 38, God answers by fire and consumes the sacrifice. And my favorite is in 2 Kings 6, 16 through 17, 
And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. There are so many stories throughout the Bible that show the power of prayer. But reading all these examples of how prayer works sometimes just doesn't hit home until it happens to you. In 2016, Elias got sick. He had to have two emergency surgeries, antibiotics, and hospital stays. On October 3rd, sorry. On October 3rd, my faith changed. I remember sitting on my living room floor praying over and over God to over and over to God to not take Elias from us, from us. He was 18 months old and was non-responsive. His vitals were crashing. I can see, still see Justin and our girls standing outside praying while waiting for the ambulance to show up. I recall telling God that if this was his will to take Elias, then I pray that he might, or that he makes my family strong enough to survive this. That night changed my faith. I will never doubt the power of prayer. You don't have to speak eloquently to pray. In Exodus 4.10, Moses tells the Lord that he's not a man of words. But in verse 11, the Lord says, And the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes the dumb, or the deaf, or the seen, or the blind? Is it not I, the Lord? By putting yourself out there for God to hear you is what he wants. God knows that speaking out loud in prayer gives prayer power. Putting your faith in him by asking out loud. So to answer the question of how my pastor can pray for me is all dependent on me. I need to be involved. I need to have a prayer life. He can't pray me into heaven. I have to be accountable for my walk, my prayer life. If I do these things to the best of my abilities, God will speak to pastor on what to pray for me. So I asked her to communicate to me about how I could more effectively pray for her and her family. And what I just got out of that was pray about it, Pastor. (laughs) You pray about what you need to pray about for me. That's what I got. That's good. That's good. That's really good. I appreciate Sister... Mallory, trusting in God when you're going through something is is the central issue. It really is. When people lose their confidence in something, uh, there's no talking them off the ledge. There's no changing their mind. There's no convincing them that hope might be around the corner. Uh, Trusting in God. Everybody in this room has been through something in life. That, that has changed you a little bit, has scarred you, has m- marked you. And what I don't believe, in spite of what we heard at retreat last week, all of us, I don't believe in being a blabbing Billy about everything you go through in life, all right? Because Jacob wrestled till the break of day, and whatever he was going through changed him. Bible said he walked with a limp from that day forward the rest of his life. That you can take literally or figuratively. The point is this. When you go through stuff, it's either going to build your confidence or it's going to destroy and push you away. You're the key to that. We're the key to what happens. And so I'm opening up for your desire tonight. Anybody in the crowd that has a a comment to Sister Mallory about trust and things you go through. I'm not asking you to tell us what you've been through. Do not tell us, all right? But talk to us about confidence and how trusting and having faith in God possibly. Maybe a remark as to what she said. Anybody? Yes, ma'am. I hear. Yeah. Um, One part that really stuck out to me was when you talked about that peace peace in the middle of just a horrible storm. Storm doesn't even seem to be the right word for it. Just darkness, evil, gross, sticky, ugh. And then God just gives you a peace in the middle of it. 
And I love that reminder that he said, you know, God's not going to keep us from the trial, but he's going to keep us through it. And if, as we build those roots, like Brother Darren was talking about, the more you get to know Jesus yeah. and truly know you can trust him and it starts with the small things and becomes big things, then no matter what goes on around you, literally all hell seeming to break loose or just quicksand or the earthquake, there's nothing you have control over and you can be okay with that. Yeah, knowing that this isn't going to be forever and, and, and I'm going to be okay and that darkness that you've experienced, you might not understand for five years, 10 years, 50 years, when someone comes up to you and is ex expressing this darkness, you can say, I've been there and I got through it through yeah, God. Yeah. And there's yeah. a, that's such a testimony that you won't truly understand why you had to go through that for years. But when that moment comes, I just hope God reminds you of that peace that you felt in the middle of it. And then you get to see that peace for someone else as they go yeah. through it. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? You've heard me mention a few times through the years that uh, a couple of times in the, in the epistles, the Apostle Paul encouraged the elders to teach the younger. You got a comment, brother? Did you have your hand up, Brother Junior? Okay, all right. And what always, what has often followed that statement when I'm speaking is, how do you teach a generation that already knows it all? If for an elder to teach a younger, there has to be a willing teacher and a willing listener. The value of listening can never be overstated. But, but. It's dawned on me in recent past. I'm not so sure. Now, if, if you come to me and say, give me a Bible study on a subject, Pastor, I'll, I'll do it. But I'm not so sure it's words that teach generations the value of God as much as it is the wisdom and lifestyle gained through experience. And you watch people that are in the next age bracket above you are older than you, and you see them go through things, sister. And you see them get through. If you think people escape life, you are naive and immature. No one escapes life. No one escapes health issues, finance issues, nobody. But I believe the older I get that that teacher is the experience you possess and the wisdom you gain by getting through things. Sooner or later, every young person realizes, man... How'd Brother Trace do? How'd he deal with that? How did he deal with that? And it makes an impact on you in, in that younger generation. Can I get an amen from somebody? Brother, Brother Darren, Brother Darren, you said a lot. And I, I mean that respectfully and, and complimentary. Deliverance came out of your mouth a couple of times, and the delivering hand of God, what changed you, and that's so true. If we had time for everybody to give their testimony, and we will soon, I'm, I've got it scheduled in, in March to have a service where we, I, I handpick eight or ten or maybe a dozen of you, and, and you're going to get up here and give your personal testimony, all right? So, but in hearing you tell us what's different with Darren now than then, I keep hearing that the amazing, delivering, miracle-working hand of God brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Anybody glad that God gave you that type of experience as well? There's a reason. There's a reason you're, you haven't been to a rehab in years. There is a reason God took that desire out of your life, and you don't want to do that anymore. Someone said, I could still do all those things, but I just don't want to do them anymore. Someone want to comment tonight about the delivering hand of God right here in the front row, Brother Trace. Thank you, sir. I like that you brought up that it doesn't say God's going to stop all the attacks. Just because, just like Pastor Lou do, we all may or some of us may seem super happy and optimistic and positive all the time, it doesn't mean we don't hear voices. It doesn't mean we don't have personal attacks on our 
on ourselves, on our insecurities, on our day-to-day, what we're doing and how we're going about life, but I don't have to be subject to that anymore. Now that I have the power from Jesus to tread on those scorpions, on those serpents that try to come into my life. Yeah. And I really think that's something powerful that people need to realize. Like you can, you're still going to have the attack. You're still going to have the voices. You're still going to have the world coming against you, but it doesn't hold the same power when you have the power of Jesus Jesus on your side. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that so true? That's so true. I asked two or three of you recently, in the, in the room, uh, let me put it this way. Let me preface it this way. If you don't consider yourself the eternal optimist, you're just an average Alan, everyday Eddie, you're not always on top of the world, just an average everyday person. Show me your hand. With Mine's up voluntarily. Wow, we got that many optimists in this room? So if you're just average and not, not always seeing the bright side, just a human being, show me your hand. Now, you can, you can verify this, I'm sure, that I don't know where it comes from, but every once in a blue moon, I get up and I'm in a good mood from the start. That is not the routine, all right? But every once in a while, I get up and I'm just, I'm revitalized and I'm happy and I'm, and I didn't do anything to get there. It's just organic for that moment. So I had a, I had a thought lately. If, if I'm like this on one day and the next day I'm up here and I did nothing, I, are these eternal optimists, do they have elevated moods? Where do they go? They're always up. Huh? So you optimists in the room. Oh, please, don't, don't make me. Sister Carlson, you're an optimist. I mean, do you have days where you are like, your, your optimism is on extra caffeine or something, do you? Really? Oh, please. <laughs> Pardon me? <laughs> From this side of the average line, you do not appear to be... Sister Dakota, you're an optimist. You always seem to be on top of the mountain. Do you, I mean, are there days your your enthusiasm is elevated? Absolutely. Really? Does that not encourage somebody that's an everyday average Allen right there? Excuse me microphone somebody yeah yeah but there really are days that I wake up I wake up nothing changed I still got good sleep but there is a serious war in my mind about it could be everything and anything it could be as literal as about heaven and hell it can be from am I doing a good job taking care of these kids Mm. are they gonna be under you God in 10 years 15 years 20 years when I'm not here am I doing that good enough job yeah and then there's days where it's all just about me and how awful I am, what a horrible human mm. being I am. And I know, like Kristen, like I do, mo- I, I want to be optimistic, I want to be happy, but there are definitely moments that the enemy just comes in like a flood. But God lifts up the standard. And as long as I don't succumb to that, because there's power in us, we have free will, I can just as easily go crawl in my bed close my eyes like I want to because it's not that just because I'm optimistic it doesn't mean that I I'm like oh you know what I hear that voice but I don't have to listen to it la 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 la, la. like I don't that's go. how I perceive it <laughs> I wish it was that easy but I have those moments where I I do honestly just want to go and hide away from the world I don't want anything to do it but I have found more and more as I've grown in my walk with God that there is power in saying, I, I can, yes, I can hear it. Just like Melissa was saying, to talk about it with God out loud. I hear that voice that's trying to tell me that I'm not worthy of God's right. love and that I've messed up and that I'm a sinner and that I'm not worthy and I'm not valued, I'm not loved. But I know better now. Because yeah. I know the Bible and I know the promises and I know that there is victory. And so if I keep reminding myself of those scriptures, what time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered yeah. me from all my yeah. fears. When I start quoting those and make those louder and make my praise loud, then I don't have to 
hide in my room. I can go climb that mountain, and I can go get out away from those voices. Come on. That's good. That's good. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Yeah, Brother Collins, sir. Brother Darren, one thing that I picked up that, uh, like, I was so glad to hear you say, you were blind to the fact. You were blind to some of the things that were getting you, but you were blind to what God already was. Like, that, that's something that has stuck with me throughout when I look back at my testimony, whatever. Like, God never changes. Yeah. God's always been the same God. It's what we, it's how we reacted, how we acted. And I just love the fact that, like, over and over, you're like, I was blind to this, and I couldn't see this, and I could because a lot of it is perception, and a lot of it is how we are. And the changes that have been made in your life were due to how you reacted to the way that God already was. And I just appreciate that in your testimony. Amen. 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 Give that, please, to Brother Tarson. Uh, Sister Penny. It is my observation your husband is a very optimistic human being. I have been with dinner with him handfuls of times in the community on nights off when church wasn't happening. Always seems to me like the eternal optimist. She's staring at me real <laughs> Brother, tell us something good about God and why you feel... Man says me verses every day, 365, Christmas morning, any day. And I appreciate that. Don't ever stop, please. God, God is good. And uh, I can tell you that uh, <clears throat> I'm going through something now. You know, just staying here. <laughs> and, uh, but I was in the bathroom today, and I, I got this, this science uh, scriptures hanging all over the house. And one's all in right. the bathroom. Says, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. And lean not into thy understanding. But it was funny. The, the sign was crooked. And so I straightened it out. Hello. Straighten out your trust, Jimmy. Come on, brother. Straighten out Come your on. trust. All things work together for the good. They do indeed. Not, not half of them, but all things. All things. You're going to find some good in this. I'm going to encourage somebody. Come on. Come on. When I get through this one. And I went to the doctor yesterday. It could be a herniated disc. I said, this is all of a sudden it just left me. But hey, all things work together for the good. And you know what? The, the best thing that I, I can tell you all is it didn't take God by surprise. It didn't sneak up on God. God knew this was going to go down. Hallelujah. Doesn't that make you happy? That means you're not alone in this battle. But God. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord. So I encourage myself. I, I have to because 2 o'clock in the morning, y'all can't help me. Y'all didn't help me two weeks ago when I was hurting at 3 o'clock in the morning. Not, not that you wouldn't help me, but you couldn't help me. But God. Hallelujah. All the time. He's almighty God. He is indeed. He's, he's all powerful all God. All powerful God. Amen. The beauty, the beauty of what he just told us is that the scriptures will counsel you. I, I'd much rather hear God talk to me through his word than those other thoughts that some people try to. And, and how many of us, I, I appreciate each and every one of you that would. So when I say how many of us, I'm talking to the exception here and there. How many of us would be too embarrassed if we had some affliction or some different way to walk and talk. Man's been coming to church leaning on this machine right here. And he's blessed my soul. He's here. He's coming. A lot of people, a lot of people get a little, little nausea going on. They're like, oh, you won't see me anywhere near the church. Thank you, sir, for being faithful. Appreciate your optimism. Appreciate the word of God. Yes, sir. What uh, Brother Tostin said and what you said and what Sister Mallory said all kind of worked together and brought some thoughts to my mind. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reigns also instruct me in the night seasons. And that's a, also in the night seasons when it's dark and I can't see. But 
one thing you asked maybe last church service or the church service before it was recently was what does it mean to trust the lord if, yep. if and the thought that i came to mind at the time was i do the thing that i need to do even though my stomach is churning even though i don't feel good even okay. though it doesn't feel good i can quote scriptures all the time i can try to think of the best possible outcome but that doesn't take the churning out of my stomach and so i think for me, trusting the Lord involves doing the thing that I need to do, even when my stomach is eating me. And to go just one step higher than that, to, to counsel yourself by the scriptures. Because you go through something and you might be agonizing all the way through it. But trusting God also means counseling yourself that I'm agonizing, but I know God's going to get me through this. You're counseling yourself by the word of God. Anybody remark that, comment? That's good. What about praying tonight? If I ask you, just slip me a note, tell me how I can pray for you. What about the power of prayer? Anybody believe in the power of prayer no matter what, regardless? Even if your diagnosis said cancer, even if your family was suffering, do you still believe in the power of prayer tonight? Bible said God's ways are far above our ways. So how dare I think that I could reason with God in my little way of thinking and say, I've got it all mastered. I know what prayer means and how to make it work. All I can do is just be faithful in coming back to God again. In fact, in fact, Matthew 7, in the Amplified Classic, you know where Jesus said, ask, you shall receive, seek, you'll find, knock, and it will be opened. Read the Amplified Classic. He says, knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. Ask and keep on asking. That's trusting God. That's trusting God. Yeah. Uh, just, I wanted to just comment a thought on what Sister Christie said. That I want Pastor to pray for me. I, I want his prayers. And Brother Robbie, you better get a picture up there because if you don't... Who knows Let's rephrase that. Sister Kristen, would you get that picture of your husband up there? But I want my pastor praying for me. I want to have favor with a man of God because I know that God has this, this connection with my pastor that no one else has. I know you may pray for a spouse or kids or this and that. God gives you something special. But what comes from God to my pastor, that's special. And, and I don't want to ignore the fact that in that, through preaching, through Bible study, things are being revealed. And so I'm saying, God, give pastor what I need. And then I sleep through service. Or I, or I skip out and I go, oh, I'm not coming tonight. I got a headache. You know, today's this. I'm missing what I'm asking for. I'm saying, God, I want intervention. I want, I want my pastor to give me what's going to be needful for me and my family. And, and I want to be in tune with that. I want to be teachable. You talked about it. I want, to be, I want to be sensitive to that. And I don't want anything to distract me. I don't want anything to get me going in the wrong direction. I don't want offense, Pastor. I, you've heard, I've, I've said it. Pastor preach to me, tell me. But I don't want that to be something that I go, I'm offended by the fact that he just said that. I don't want that. I'm going to preach it anyway. Please. You're, you're, you're wanting to please God, and yeah. I, I appreciate that. And So I don't know what I was saying other than the fact We've that. We've decided not to celebrate our birthdays this year. We're, we're going backwards instead of forward. <laughs> I am going backwards, Pastor. <laughs> we won't go there. Right? We won't be, go there. My granddaughter and I are going to be 17 at the same time. <laughs> I believe in the power of prayer more than I believe in life itself. Yes. I really do. I frequently pray this thing to God, not because I want anybody's attention, because I mean it, though. I, I say, God, I need you in my prayer life more than I need the next breath I'm going to breathe. I, I, I have mastered nothing, but I want to know more. I want God to bring me into that place inside where, where things are revealed. I mean, 
things, holy things, not things about you and me. Where holy things are revealed and I can become more tactical in the word of God. And I'm telling you, a lot of people pray for you in life. And, and, and any gesture toward kindness is appreciated. It really is. But there's, when I, when I really need prayer, I mean, it's difficult for me to find, you know, someone that will not assume anything. Start looking for little signs of what's he mean by that. Start talking to them in the community of believers about, hmm. We constantly have discussions among pastoral ministries about uh, confidences in life. Who do you trust? Who can you talk to? But I believe in prayer. All right, I don't want to go too far. I believe in prayer more than anything. Remarks or questions concerning Sister Sonatag? Yes, sir. About prayer? Yes, sir. Well, we all know that it's the year of prayer and prayer works. Yes, yes sir. And I believe that the enemy is going to tell us that and just beat into our mind that prayer doesn't work. But Jesus, the Christ anointed one, yep. prayed very often. He sure did. And who are we? So we be needing to pray. Yeah. We don't really see that prayer works. Do we see that gas or diesel works for our vehicle? No, but, but it does. But it does work. It does. Prayer works. Prayer works. And, our, and the enemy is just trying to beat down in us through our looking at the problem that it doesn't work. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avails. That's telling us it's working, it's it, working, it's working. It is working. Even though we don't see it, it's working. It's a train put into motion. Thanks be to God. And faith is substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen anyway. So if we have to see it working, we're pretty shallow. We trust God that his word will forever. Yes, sir. Don't let me miss you, brother, okay? Please. Prayer works. I wonder how many times I've heard that from my pastor. I bet you just too many times prayer works. Come to him with something. You pray about it. I'll pray about it. Uh, prayer works. Prayer works. Right, text him something. Prayer works. Praise the Lord. Prayer works. I think we've all have prayed at one time or another to a point where we've witnessed the Lord answering one of our prayers. And so you take that one prayer that he answered and you have faith with it and believe he's going to answer your next prayer. And your next prayer. And your next prayer. And prayer isn't fancy. Prayer is just talking to the Lord like you would your brother, your sister, your mother, your father. Sometimes it's quiet. Sometimes it's loud. Heck, I remember one time I was like, hey, and by the way, I haven't seen Jared in over a year and a half. Maybe you could do something about it, huh? Just like that. And man, five Jared hours later, there was Jared, you, don't know. you know? And so I know pastor gets nervous sometimes when he hears people say this, but I really believe the Lord gave me a word about prayer. And I'd like to share it. A few years back, I was thinking about prayer and asking the Lord about prayer and questioning about prayer. And the Lord said to this, and this is what the Lord Almighty said to me. He said, before you call, I will answer. Yeah, yeah. While you are still speaking, I will hear. Yeah. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Yeah. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. Yeah. And I, the God of peace, will be with you. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. And I just like to say this about prayer. When I first started coming to Palmer Pentecostal Church and back in the old church over here, the prayer thing in the morning was all new to me. The prayer room, praying, and that was kind of all new to me. And I'd just kind of go because I was interested and I'd start watching and, you know, and listening. And for some of you that have inhibitions about prayer and I would start listening and man I was so encouraged I'd listen to pastor I'd listen to brother Trace I'd listen to the other brothers pray and I'd just be so encouraged there'd be moments in my life where I'd be like man I want to learn how to pray like that I want to pray like that and I'm a firm believer if you want something you just got to do it yeah, yeah. you just yeah. got to do it yeah. and that's it you just got to start doing it yeah. 
Awesome remarks. Awesome remarks. Well, the one thing I got to say about prayer, if it, if it didn't work, then, then that means that God's promises is all a lie, and God's not a liar. He is not a liar. So if prayer did not work, that means, okay, that tells you God's a liar, and he's not a liar because God is incapable of lying. So the one thing about this is that well, I'm reminded of Matthew 6, where it says, God will reward you for prayer. God rewards us for prayer because it's the fact if we go to our secret place where he says, right. go to that secret place, that way we can, we, we can have one-on-one -on -one time, is what that's telling me. We can have one-on-one -on -one time with God. So the one thing about this, if prayer did not work, then what's God doing? Then what's God doing? Is he wasting our time? Because he's not a person that wastes our time either. He would never do that. He, he loves us enough to where he says, you come pray to me in secret. And I will reward you. Yeah. So prayer has a, it is a big part of our lives. It's not always easy for us to, per, to pray by ourselves. It's not always easy for us to pray for each other. But there's times in the Bible, he, com, he commands us to, to say stuff to him because he wants that relationship with us. And that's part of having a relationship. Another part of having a relationship with God is reading our word. And, and, and that's part of the relationship is prayer. There you go. I know you've read the meme with a little kid's face on it. It said, as long as there's tests in school, there will always be prayer. Put that in life, though. As long as there's tests in life. Who cares what the law says about praying, right? As long as you're going through stuff, you're going to learn how to pray. You're going to call on God. Because sometimes we, we come face to face with them in the mirror and say, I can't, I'm not big enough for this issue here, God. Anybody else? One more, one, Brother DJ. So recently I've, I've been struggling a little bit, and um, you mentioned the moment that you knew that prayer was just like, that's when things change. And I've had God come through a lot of times for me, even before I came into church. But recently um, I've been struggling a little bit with different things, haven't been as faithful as I needed to be to the point where my prayer life, I was pouring it out nightly. And it got to the point where I started getting bitter and angry and frustrated. Like, God, I, I'm trying. I'm pushing. And it just felt like he wasn't there. And I remember something that Brother Trace told me. A lot of, uh, I'm on a lot of our preachers have preached in Job, pastors preach in Job. And I just remember one particular moment, like, God told uh, Brother Trace came up and was like, hey, you know, God turned the favor of Job once he prayed for his friends. And when I felt like I couldn't pour it out for myself anymore, I knew of a few people that were asking me for prayers. And sometimes when we're so focused on ourselves, we tend to neglect our brothers and sisters. And I remember that night, like all night, poured it out, prayed about some things for people that I knew and cared about, and I didn't see immediate returns for that, but it did change, like Darren was saying, it changed my perspective. Yeah. Um, God's, God's listening, prayer still works. Even when he doesn't answer, either it's not his will, it's not his timing. Yep. And just recently, some of those prayers I was praying for people that I cared about, I got good reports on. And in turn, things for me have changed as well. Um, not just a perspective change, but actual, like, some answers I was really needing. And awesome. So God is good. That's precious, bro. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Almost done, I promise you this. At Minister's Retreat last week, I was sitting around a table um, an after one afternoon, and there was a handful of pastors there. And somebody brought up in the circle of pastors why... Why would God answer prayer knowing he has foreknowledge, of course, knowing tomorrow I'm a, if I'm going to fail him or if you're going to walk away? Why would God answer you today if he sees in the future you're going to fail him? And each one kind of had, not kind of, each one uh, was offered the floor and offered their remarks. And I, 
who has the answer to that? I just simply said, I don't know. I don't know other than answering your question with a question. Why? I've seen this, what I'm about to say, numerous times. Hundreds of times is not an exaggeration. Why does God fill people with the Holy Ghost? And down the road, they walk out of church and delete me from their contact list and, and muddy up my name and backslide, not because they're against me, but they leave truth, they leave, they leave God. Why does God take the time to even bother? And I asked that question, I said, the only thing I can say is that he's a merciful God, and he's going to deal with me on the basis of right now. Even though he knows everything, he's still going to answer prayer on the basis of right now. If I, if I run astray and run amok of the goodness of God, whatever I'm at, wherever I'm at right now, God's faithful to me. God's faithful to you. His foreknowledge is amazing. We won't ever touch it. But right now, God's good to us. And God's going to deal with you right now where you're at. I pray we all succeed and nobody fails. But all I could say to that group was because he's so merciful. His mercy, we can never find out the end of it all. Stand with me tonight. Thank you so much. Appreciate you folks being a part of this tonight. It's been, it's been a blessing. It's been encouraging. Praise the Lord. Let's give them a nice hand tonight, all right?